Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about Rocket, UWM, and Loan Depot earnings, as well as the consolidation rumors we're hearing about. First, here's a word from our sponsor. I'm Diego Sanchez, Chief Operating Officer of HW Media, and I'm here today with Melinda Wilner, who is the Chief Operating Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Melinda, so good to chat with you today. Great to chat with you as well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. With mortgage rates in the fives and sixes, depending on the product, 2023 and 2024 will likely be purchase markets. Why is client experience so important in a purchase market? Great question. Client experience is always important in any market, I would say. Being in the service business, it's the epitome of everything. So in this market, um, we know, we hope, rates will drop again one day. So there's a lot of things that are out there on the horizon. But just taking the client experience, like our world is so noisy these days. It's really become about the experience and how things are remembered to us. It's easy to go to a restaurant that's just middle of the road and like you don't even remember the name of it where you ate yesterday versus something that has high, high experience. So in this purchase environment with rates going to go down again one day, the likelihood that there's future refinances is very humongous, not only for the borrower to have a great experience. And I think a purchase is even more exciting than a refinance. You're a little bit more hands on with the borrower, helping them you know, buy maybe their first home or maybe their final home or something in the middle. So there's a lot of time spent with it. But even the experience for the realtors and everybody else involved is really big. Melinda, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you again for having me. Appreciate it. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, good to be back. Always great to have you back. And, you know, I like to talk to you about all of the news that's going on, but especially, you know, you guys in the newsroom keep track of the big lenders and what's happening there. And we just got done pretty much with earnings season. So would love to know what the upshot is uh, for, for lenders on earnings season. Yeah, for the most part, uh, we, we are done with earnings season, which is the, the least festive of the seasons, I think. <laughs> And um, it's very, very numbers heavy, unfortunately, uh, but not a lot of gifts, as it turns out, unless you're getting dividends as an investor. Uh, but, but to the point, yes. Yeah, so we're we're pretty much done here. Uh, HomePoint went this morning, and they released their fourth quarter earnings. We had Loan Depot yesterday and Rocket and UWM last week, and we expect Guild to be reporting uh, a financial loss later today as well. So. I think the takeaway, and it should come as no surprise to anyone who's been following the market, is there's a lot of red ink, and pretty much all of the big originators lost money in the fourth quarter. I don't think that's necessarily something that will surprise anyone, but they're, they're all kind of doing it in slightly different ways, and they all have different strategies to uh, to move forward. And so I, I think it would be probably best to talk about some of those strategies and really talk a little bit more about what we can expect in the first quarter and then the rest of 2023 because you know of course we're talking about the fourth quarter for the earnings but we're already in March right so the first quarter is is almost done um, so why don't we start with rocket so rocket of course um, had been the leader in in originations for many 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 quarters years right and for 
uh, a second consecutive quarter, Rocket did post a, a pretty significant loss uh, by gap accounting measures. It was, you know, north of 500 million. And, uh, and, and by, you know, other accounting measures, it was still in, in the, you know, almost about $200 million. So, so it was a lot of money lost. And I, I think the economics of it are fairly simple. You know, Ro- Rocket has been very much building its operation to be something people as individuals turn to, right? You see a commercial on TV and you go, oh, my rate's like four and a half. I see a commercial and Rocket says you can refinance into a rate of 3.1 and you're going to save, you know, $500 a month. Why wouldn't you do that, right? You know, and you'll pay a little upfront, but you'll save it in the long run. And unfortunately, you know, that sort of call center direct marketing style doesn't work as well when there's very limited incentive for people to refinance. And so I, I think it's something like 99% of mortgage holders out there have rates below 6%. And as we talk right now, Sarah, rates are right around seven. You know, I, I know a few people today, it's Thursday, March 9th, quoting in, in low to mid sevens, you know, and, and so 10-year treasury yield is at almost 4% right now. So so this is the environment that for the most part, mortgage lenders, Rocket included, have been working against over the last few months. And so Rocket does have a few tricks up their sleeve. One, they have more money than anyone. They are they are in no danger of going under or having, you know, any, any really significant consequence for not being uh, an absolute elite player in a purchase mortgage market. They're still actually pumping out a surprising amount of refis, um, which, you know, for the most part, these are cash out refis. So they're capitalizing on people who, who might need cash now to pay other debts, say credit cards, or, you know, people have expenses across uh, all different, uh, you know, segments in life. So, so Rocket still does pretty well there, but they acknowledged on the call that they need to do a much better job in purchase as a company strategy, right? If we're going to have an environment in which I think it's something like about a quarter of mortgage holders have rates under three, I mean, do you think we're going to get back to that in the next five years? I, I don't personally think so. I guess there, there are theories that might suggest it could happen, but I think it's unlikely. And so Rocket, you know, if, if you're eliminating potentially a quarter of your, you know, achievable market, um, you, you need to figure out something new. And so you all may remember that they bought an app not too long ago, Truebill. They spent over a billion hours on it. And this is one of the main ways that Rocket sees uh, a purchase acquisition strategy, really not just being average, not just competing with their rivals, but but being a game changer for them. And so if you think about it from the perspective of a cost on leads, it's what about $100 if they want to get a cost uh, a lead rather from Truebill. And if you're a traditional mortgage lender, you might spend $1,000, $2,000, even more to try to get that loan, right? And, and, you know, the margins in this business, even in good times, are not phenomenal, you know? And so if Rocket is able to really make a dent in that and say the next year, two years combined with their cash position, I think you have a company that could still really absolutely climb back to the top of the mountain in mortgage. Um, They're at a competitive disadvantage right now as it stands in March, 2023. But a year from now, if this strategy does come and bear fruit, Rocket very easily could leapfrog UWM again. Um, and, and UWM is interesting because what they've done is 
you know, they've been really aggressive with their pricing initiatives and they priced a lot of their rivals out of the marketplace, right? So Lone Depot had been top 10 in wholesale and they decided, you know, not entirely because of, of UWM's uh, strategies, but we, we just, we can't make the numbers work in wholesale. It's too expensive. The margins are tiny. We are getting out of Dodge and, and we're going to focus on retail. And a bunch of other lenders did the same. They just couldn't deal with the pricing and UWM kept their foot on the gas now things are changing. They're projecting their uh, their gain on sale margin in the first quarter to between 75 and 100 basis points. We're getting into more normalized territory, right? And they kept it artificially low. You know, they, they'd be happy with 50 basis points. They'd always say, we, we set the market for margins. Um, and, and you know what? I think they were right. Um, but they can't do that forever. You know, you'll, you'll eventually run out of your money and your investors will say, hey, like, I'd actually like to make some money. I'd like to make a profit on this investment. So, why don't we start charging people, you know, the appropriate rate? So, so that that's kind of where we on on UWM, and they're also working in an environment in which we're seeing a lot more uh, mortgage brokers. We're, we're just seeing a big shift from retail. Think about how many retail LOs are out there, and they just can't compete on rate right now. They're going to move over to wholesale in some situations, and it's it's a totally different game. Um, but if you're entrepreneurial, you think you can do it. Uh, you have a little money set aside to account for you know, <laughs> startup costs, right? Um, that could be a really attractive um, and and sustainable business model for UWM. We're seeing across all of wholesale, you know, every major player in that space is seeing more mortgage broker partners. So it's a growing channel and UWM by far and away is, is the top dog there. They achieved 55% market share in the fourth quarter in the wholesale channel. That's incredible. I've never seen any single lender dominate in a single channel like UWM did. You know, we talk about like correspondent, like Wells Fargo, even in its heyday as a correspondent market leader was never looking at like a 50% market share, right? I mean, that's wild. In retail, you never see more than like 13%, right? 14%. You'd have to go back to, I want to say... 2007, you know, before the great financial crisis with Countrywide, for any lender to be achieving a market share, you know, over 11%, which is where UWM was at the end of the fourth quarter. I don't think they're going to keep 11%, you know, through 2023. There are just too many uh, potential obstacles, too, too much that they can't control, right? I mean, who knows what the Fed is going to do? We don't even know what the jobs numbers are going to look like in a few days. We don't know what CPI is going to look like on the 14th. You can't guarantee that UWM is going to remain um, such a dominant force, but in wholesale, I think they could absolutely keep that market share, right? And we see that HomePoint has been struggling. They've been suffering. Uh, their their gain on sale margins in the fourth quarter were 22 basis points. And there were four basis points in the quarter before that. So that's actually an improvement. I mean, th- these are really, really, really hard, hard times for, uh, you know, primary originators if you have a bigger book of servicing, if you're a little bit more of a diversified lender, like a, you know, a new res, they, they call themselves rhythm capital. Now, you know, Mr. Cooper, right. Big MSR players. Um, I think you're, you're better positioned, right. I mean, they actually made money uh, in the fourth quarter, but uh, as an originator, yeah, really, really hard right now. A lot of them think that Q4 was the bottom that we're going to see more inventory, more sales, better margins, if not necessarily volume in the first quarter. 
And then a bunch of them were even talking about straight up profitability returning as soon as the second quarter. Um, and all of them say, hey, we're, we're going to be good to go in the second half of uh, 2023. So that's 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 kind of the operating climate right now. I think there's way too much going on uh, to project. I mean, we, we get the the projections from the NBA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, Zillow, all the economists out there, and and um, they get revised every quarter, right? Because it, it's just too wild. You just you can't be sure that the operating environment in March is going to look anything like the one in June. You know, we um, so I did a, a podcast with Logan that aired um, today or when we're when we're filming this, and it was you know we we talked about what Powell said on Tuesday and then how he revised it on Wednesday, and it's like, listen, if we cannot even have the same message from the Fed for two days running, it's no wonder that people trying to run a business are having a hard time forecasting what's going to happen. Yeah, and and people have to make very consequential decisions um, that day, right? I mean, because a lot of them are, are operating with very little cash. And if you only have enough for payroll for the next month and Jerome Powell makes, you know, a radically different statement that the following day, like what, how do you, how do you plan out, you know, I mean, heck, most businesses have a one-year plan, a two-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. How many of them even have a two-week plan at this point, given what, what, is happening in the economy, right? So it's it's um, yeah, it's it's no wonder that a lot of people are, are consolidating. A lot of elder statesmen in the mortgage industry are saying, "I'm gonna I'm gonna live in Boca. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I'm I'm done. I'm I'm cashing in my chips. Yep. They're not as valuable as they were a year ago. Um, but this is just not something. Maybe I'll be a mortgage advisor, right? Like we saw this in the last cycle, right? How many people retired after 08, 09, 210 and, and just decided I made my money, I'm out. So I want to um, get into the topic of consolidation, but before that, I wanted to make sure we didn't skip over Loan Depot. So we're talking about the big lenders. We're talking, you know, there's some dra- there has been some ongoing drama with Loan Depot. Where are we yeah. now? So Loan Depot, it's... Um, Again, similar similar conditions, right? As an originator, um, they were very refi dependent before we started to see the rate hikes from the Fed, right? About a year ago, almost exactly, and and they've had red ink pretty much. I think every quarter since I want to say the second quarter of 2022, and um, they've they've got a lot of drama in in the C suite, and so. They have Frank Martell, who's now the CEO. He was, of course, the CEO of CoreLogic, and he's known in the industry for being, you know, very, very mindful of of expenses and and being able to to make very broad cuts in difficult operating conditions. And he's done exactly that. So Loan Depot had it was something like eleven thousand three hundred workers at the end of twenty twenty one. Today they're at less than half that. Um, they're at I want to say it's like fifty five hundred. And they had projected to be at about 6,500 at the end of 2022. So they've, they've done more cost cutting than they even expected to do this year. The challenge for Loan Depot, and, and it's not a unique challenge necessarily, is they need to do two things equally well right now. They need to be really smart about how they cut costs. They are too bloated based on the revenue that is coming in. At the same time, they need to make sure that conditions operationally are still strong enough where they can actually generate business. And to generate business, you need people who are able to sell loans right now, right? And and that's not going to come from a call center. That's going to come from your rank and file loan officers who are in the field, who have contacts 
regular contact with real estate agents and divorce attorneys and estate agents and, you know, the, the whole lead generation pool. And right now, Lone Depot is, is in a tough spot because a lot of their top performers are getting poached by other firms that have money that they're going to deploy to build a bigger bench, right? And so we've seen several top performing teams from Lone Depot go to Revolution. They've gone across country. Some are going to Guild. I mean, it's been kind of open season on a lot of their top performing loan officers. And, you know, Lone Depot sources tell us they're they're not throwing money to keep the you know the the top loan officers they they want to make sure that they're they're incentivizing them appropriately based on the money they feel they can they can give them right now but they're not they're not going to give like a million five you know bonus just to retain a loan officer right now so they feel like there are enough people in the business that are good LOs that are maybe at other shops or maybe lost their job at another retail company that that sadly wasn't able to make it and and they can still find good talent out there and so it's still it's a really difficult situation at Lone Depot, also because we don't quite know what's happening operationally there, right? So Anthony Shea is the founder. He he really shaped the lender to kind of operate in its image, in, in his image. And he's a very influential figure in mortgage. And he's been kind of sidelined by his board, you know. So he is the major stake holder of the company. He is the controlling chair member. He is the chairman of the board right now, but he's not the executive chairman, which is a, a position he was fired from by the board. So his own board, a number of the members of which are, are you know, were appointed by him in the first place, um, voted 5-2 to knock him out of this executive chairman position. And he had tried to put in his own proxy candidate you know, in his favor on that very board. And so there are questions as, as to who's really running Lone Depot right now. Um, how many more quarters of big losses can a company like this sustain? They have a pretty solid cash position, but they need to do more cuts. And depending on who you talk to in the industry, they, they might be a target for other companies that are acquisitive right now. Their stock is trading in the ones right now. Last I saw yesterday, it was at like 184. Um, that's very, very, very poor. And it just can't go on, right? They really either need to turn things around quickly or they need some sort of resolution as to what's going on regarding management and ownership as well. It's such a complicated situation over there, as you've pointed out. And also, I mean, I, it harkens back to me, the conversations we had, you know, back in the heyday when, you know, mortgage companies were making lots of money and, you know, the talk of going public and all these different uh, mortgage companies going public. And both you and I were like, but how does that work in a cyclical business like this? How, you know, how are, yeah. you know, if, and if you miss that window uh, to even go public, it's like, it, it seemed obvious to us, although we're not, you know, stock traders, whatever, we're not, we're not in this business that it was going to be, a, you know, it's a cyclical business. How do you make a public company work long-term? And so many of these just went public in the last three years. Almost all of them. And and the other way to look at it is, what if they hadn't gone public? So they're they're able to still obtain cheap credit. And I think that's really a saving grace. They have just a lot more maneuverability right now uh, as publicly traded companies than I think they would if they were private and just didn't have 
the ability to to bond and didn't have the ability to, you know, find other sources of cheaper debt. You know, that's all of them have debt. You know, and and of course, all large scale businesses like this operate on debt. It's not it's not exactly a secret or any accounting trick. Um, but I I think if you had a company that are that were operating in an, uh, the environment that we I think eventually would have expected them to be operating in, uh, although it came probably sooner than most would have expected. Um, and they didn't have that ability to find cheap debt. I think most of these companies would have already been, um, you know, buying a headstone. So it's, it's probably preserved some of the businesses and look, a lot of them are probably going to get sold. Maybe not all. Um, but I, I think it's very likely we, we heard in the earnings call today uh, from HomePoint that they would consider uh, a sale, you know, and HomePoint, again, another another company that has sold most of the assets that it had. Right. They, they shed the servicing business. They uh, sold their f- nearly 50 percent stake in, in uh, reverse mortgage lender. Uh, they got about thirty nine million out of that sale. They're already subservicing everything out. Like they don't have anything else to sell. They have about 97 million in cash and cash equivalents right now. So you do the math. Like it's not enough when you run a big business like that and you need a lot of cash. Like all mortgage businesses operate based on warehouse lines and, you know, and and having availability of debt, you know, and that's the other thing, right? We haven't even talked about all the warehouse lenders that are suffering as well, right? You know, and and all the the ancillary service providers that are, you know, attaching kind of their own services to to mortgage companies. Everybody is suffering together, but some have a little bit more wiggle room, have a little bit more debt, have a little bit more time than others. But those who don't, they either need to find someone to to acquire them, or I think they're probably going to go out of business in the next quarter. So let's talk. Let's jump into it with with uh, consolidation and one of the biggest names that we've already talked about, Rocket. Tell me about that. There are rumors right now. There are just rumors that Rocket is considering making a big acquisition splash in the retail channel. Um, we don't believe that they have had talks that are very serious at this stage, mostly exploratory talks. Uh, but Rocket has approached several lenders about the potential of acquiring them. And, and again, this is because Rocket, as we already discussed, is very much kind of a, a you know, direct marketing call center based lender. They don't have a retail footprint, right? Like you're not going to walk down Main Street in Detroit and find, uh, you know, a Rocket mortgage uh, branch. You're not going to find um, businesses beyond their wholesale platform, which of course is just like 90% brokers or a call center, right? And and it's just, there are limitations. There's, there's limited flexibility in what they can do to wholesale with UWM there as well. And so they're, they're probably, they're not going to overtake UWM in wholesale. I think that's pretty clear um, at this point, but could they get a lot stronger in purchase if they have branches? I think that's very possible. We have heard from multiple sources that um, there would be some interest in, in caliber branches. Um, there have been rumors out there that Rocket would be interested in buying a big purchase-focused distributed retail lender. They wouldn't be buying like a mid-tier, you know, they wouldn't be buying a small shop so they can strengthen maybe a, you know, a specific geographic footprint. If Rocket were to buy another mortgage lender, and they have the money to do it, they absolutely have the money to do it. 
it would be a top 10, top 15 lender uh, is, is what our sources are telling us. We, I don't want to put any names out there right now because we, we don't have the reporting quite yet, but it's certainly something Rocket would consider and, and they should, you know, if, if you want to dominate, you want to get back your top uh, spot, you need purchase originations right now. And that's the sharpest, smartest, most direct way to do it. Um, even if they, they really did make headway with Truebill and there, there are, plans to launch a credit card with points that would accumulate to start getting people, uh, you know, into the home buying funnel. Sure. That, that might eventually bear fruit. It's not going to bear fruit in 2023. And, um, the most direct approach would be to buy another lender. And there, there's no shortage of lenders you could buy if you wanted to right now. You know, a lot of founders are ready to get out, a lot of CEOs, a lot of investors. And, you know, think about how many of these companies are private equity backed as well. A lot of them also have, you know, limited terms, right? So you you have a five-year fund, right? And that's an investor and the five years are up, right? You know, let's say they invested in 2018 uh, or 2019 or whatever, you know, they're, they're going to be looking for their return. They're going to look for their exit. So I, I think there are a lot of them that could potentially be acquired. And I also think if Rocket were to buy something, they're not going to overpay, right? And so that might be kind of the, the sticking point right here. What do you value it at? Do you value it at like 2023 values or, you know, or are you thinking about it differently? So that, that's where we are with Rocket. Fascinating to look at. We knew that we would see a lot of consolidation um, coming up because, you know, it's 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 an environment ripe for that. People want to be acquired. Other people are, are looking to grow market share. So we will definitely be keeping an eye on that. What are some other stories? Yeah. And, and just one more point on that, Sarah, that when we talk about acquisitions, we only see it in distributed retail. We're not seeing any wholesale lenders that are getting picked up. What's happening is in wholesale, they're just shutting those operations down. You know, and so when we talk about acquisitions, I don't think that there is any market right now for a wholesale operator for, you know, if there is, we haven't seen one emerge. You know, what we're seeing is um, mostly distributed retailers that are joining up with similarly sized firms at this point. But we're also, we haven't seen any of the major top 10 lenders make a move yet. But I, I think... I think we're starting to see, you know, based on the earnings calls, we're starting to see some of that pain. And um, I, I think we're going to see a splash in the next quarter for sure. Well, James, thank you so much for being on and getting us up to speed on everything in earnings and what's going on with big lenders. We will be keeping a close eye and I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. 
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.